HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. The great state of Wisconsin is home to the only master cheesemaking program outside of Switzerland. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're examining the true cost of convenience when it comes to when, where, and how we eat. Dark stores enable workers to eat without any kind of thought to how they're getting their food or how it might have come to be. DoorDash, Uber, and Lyft in the past have pledged to spend $90 million to try to exempt themselves from the law. I could be wrong, uh, but I, I think there's going to be significant regulatory pushback on driverless trucks. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Isabel Legeron. We'll talk to Isabel about natural wine, raw wine, and the raw wine fair. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Isabel Legeron is a master of wine, consulting, contributing journalist, and author of the seminal book on natural wine, Natural Wine, an Introduction to Organic and Bi- Biodynamic Wines Made Naturally. Isabel is the founder and creator of Raw Wine and the Raw Wine Fairs. She is leading the charge globally for greater transparency and promotes growers who work organically, who ferment their wines naturally, and use little to no additives. Raw Wine Fairs are now in London, Berlin, Miami, Los Angeles, Montreal, and New York. Welcome back to the Grape Nation, Isabel. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for having me again on the show. It's I love my, I love talking to you. It's my pleasure. Um, a few quick notes I just wanted to point out. Uh, this is Isabel's fourth appearance on the show. Isabel is the only guest that's ever appeared four times on uh, The Grape Nation. Uh, we had her on four years ago when she brought her first 
uh, Raw Wine Fair to Brooklyn, not far from the Heritage Radio Studios. Um, and also, on another note, Isabel, in celebration of Heritage Radio Network's 10th anniversary, has been inducted into our Hall of Fame for all her great work. So congrats on all of that, Isabel, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I felt very honored. Thanks. All right. So I want to get into a few things uh, about the wine world, natural wine world, and talk you know, amply about um, the raw wine fair. Um, I wanted you to sort of give me an assessment, an update, or tell me uh, where the natural wine movement is today. I know that's a very broad question, so you approach it the way you want. And I always wonder, with different guests at different times, you know, is the word natural still the right word? So tell me where things are at. Um, so, you, you know, the... the um the world of, 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 of natural wine, of low intervention, organic, biogenic wines, I think have, have, have evolved, you know, tremendously uh, over the past uh, few, few years. Um, I think, you know, before we, you know, you would come across uh, places where you could drink natural wine uh, in, in, in big cities, you know, um, in, 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 in London, in Paris, in, in, in New York. Um, and over the past, Three or four years, I think that the the scene has really expanded, um, and you're seeing more and more um, shops popping up and and bars and restaurants sort of being created. Um, so I think, you know, around the world we, we're seeing a, a big push, a big increase in in in, in drinking these wines, um, and and I think we also, as a result, seeing that the growers, um, you know, for, for them it's, it's it's getting easier and easier to to find markets. To, to the wines, right. um, and that's why we actually brought, you know, the fair to, to Miami. I mean, this is just an, an, a one-off, a one-off event. But um, you know, I had many requests from importers and distributors in Miami um, who felt that Florida was was changing, that the culture of maybe drinking liquor, beer, cocktails was shifting slowly towards drinking more and more wine. Um, and they felt that you know the, the the natural wine scene was 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 being nascent, and and actually, we could have a festival and a fair to to celebrate these wines. Right. Um, so that's why you went to Miami. I mean, I, I would sense that down the road there may be a similar pull or need in other markets besides your core markets, right? Yes, exa- exactly. And and I think it's also partly to help the growers, you know, because I get a lot of comments from growers who are saying now, you know, New York is, is getting really well established. Similarly, in, in L.A., you know, things have changed a lot over the past two or three, four years again. Um, and so for, for them, you know, they are keen to meet new people, to expand uh, the horizon a little bit. Um, so we, you know, that's why we, we took the fair, for example, to Miami. And, and indeed, there will be other pop-ups like this where, um, hopefully we can work with the importers and the local restaurants and, and, you know, and help boost a little bit what's going on and then, you know, go to another place. That's also why, you know, raw wine has always been um, a place to taste the wines, but it's always been a, a place to, to help growers and importers right. uh, do business. We can't forget that. Um, so things are good. I mean, there's, there's just more awareness and more wine. Agreed, right? Yes, exactly. So you know, it's uh, we. I think we're in a virtuous cycle now, where um, you know, the the like you said, there's more awareness. So so people are seeking more and more 
uh, drinks that are made in line with their beliefs. So, you know, people are obviously very aware of the environment. They're very careful about, you know, what they eat and, and drink. And, and, you know, they want their choices to have a positive impact, you right. know, on, on the planet. Right. Uh, and that's growing, you know, that's a, that's a growing trend. Um, so that then, you know, the, 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 the virtuous consequence of that is that, you know, there's more demand for, for the growers. And I know that some growers are actually now struggling to, to, to satisfy this demand, uh, which in itself comes with another maybe set of, of, of problems. So, um, so my next question was, and you jump right into it, what are some of the challenges? So demand, um, because of the awareness and popularity is, is sometimes stronger than what a farmer can produce, right? Yes. So what we're Sorry. Go ahead. So what we're seeing is, is um, you know, some growers are, are, in a way, growing. You know, they're, 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 they're maybe planting more. They're converting more vineyards from maybe neighbors. Um, they're also buying grapes right. uh, to satisfy the demand. And there's always their risk, you know, um, where are the grapes coming from. So now part of the assessment to come into the fair, uh, we, I, you know, I, I also ask quite a lot of questions about where the grapes are coming from. Um, because I think, you know, now, you know, when a grower is quite famous and sometimes it's quite tempting to just increase the production without necessarily um, following the same philosophy. But that happens sometimes. But that's that's a very, you know, that's very rare cases. Right. Um, what, 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 what I'm seeing is, is more and more new growers, you know, young growers um, who maybe were working before with, you know, with other growers and who are, starting to buy grapes or buying, you know, a little plot of land, particularly in Europe. I mean, in the U.S. is a very different story. Right. Um, and that's really lovely, you know, to see that I'm getting samples from people who it's their first, second or third vintage. Wow. Um, and, and for them, you know, they're coming into a place where I think if you make really good wine and if you, if you are indeed, um, you know, conscious about the environment and if you're indeed making the wine naturally – and you can tell your story and you can package it properly. Um, I think actually it's quite easy now to find uh, a route to market, right. you know, which really 10 years ago was a completely different story. So I think, I think that the environment is prime for, you know, a lot of, you know, new producers coming and feeling encouraged that actually, you know, you, you, you can, if you can do it well in the, you know, and the product is really good, then you can definitely find somebody to buy it and drink it. So is it fair to say that, you know, we're getting into the second or the next generation of natural winemakers? Yeah, I think so. And, and in a way, you know, uh, the, let, let's say that the first generation or, or the people who were, um, you know, who did so much groundbreaking work uh, by being, you know, the first to, to make these wines and by, be, by trying to be commercially viable, um, you know, they, you know, I think that generation is really selling the wines quite easily. Right. Um, and, and what we're seeing now is, is what I'm seeing anyway. And that's always why, why, you know, what I wanted Raw Wine to be about is, is a real platform for people to meet new producers, new importers. Um, so we, I'm seeing an influx more of, of, you know, young, younger producer, producers who, who have more of a need to, I would say to, you know, to, to meet people and to sell their wines. Right. Um, 
But, you know, there, there's also the, you, you know, the, the other challenge that we're seeing, obviously, is that because natural wine is becoming so popular, um, you know, you're seeing some maybe bigger wineries who are, you know, trying to sort of like make one natural wine. Um, right. But that's why at the top of the show, I said, is the word natural still the right word? And it possibly could be misused by those guys or not necessarily. Yes, I mean, and, and it is definitely, um, I think, misused. Um, you know, I think natural, natural is, is for me, is, is, is the right word. Uh, what's missing with this word is, is some sort of, of definition, which is recognized by, by all of us. Right. Um, because at the moment, it's just an empty word, you know. It's, I mean, we know what it means. You know what it means. I know what it means. You know, people in, in the inner circle know what natural wine is. Um, but, you, you know, I'm seeing more and more wines out there who, you know, I would definitely not call natural, being called natural, you know. And, right. and, and so I, I think it's still the right word. I, don't, I can't think of, of, of a better word for the time being. So, um, I don't, you know, I don't want you to define it again um, because you've taken the pains of, you know, in raw wine, there's a whole decree of, you know, what it is and what it should be. But, you know, what are... I mean, just tell people sort of the core tenets, tenets of, uh, you know, the most important things, which maybe a big corporate wine company trying to be natural probably won't follow. So, you know, I mean, first of all, I would like to, to make a difference between a distinction between, you know, a, a natural wine, which for me is, you know, obviously farmed organically, but where there has, hasn't been any, any additive no sulfites, nothing added, right. fermented on their own yeast and, and so on. Um, and then a low intervention wine, which is still organic, still fermented on their own yeast, and perhaps, you know, it's been fined and perhaps it has had a little bit of sulfites added to it. Right. Um, and, and at the fair, I'm just careful of that because, you know, raw wine is, is not about natural wine. You know, it's about a natural, but also low intervention organic and biodynamic wine. So, so we're a bigger, slightly bigger family than just, I would say natural wines, but you know fundamentally, I would say that what what unites the growers um, who who come to the fair is is that they all really care about about the farming, um, but not not you know in, in an agro organic sort of big scale way. You know they, they really care about the biodiversity, they really care about the soil life, right. they really care that the bees come to the vineyard. Um, so you know, it's it's um it's more than just a clean farming, just to tick the boxes. You know, it's also about putting back. It's about building the the topsoils. It's about making sure that you encourage as many different species of insects to come. That you really care about you know the rainworms uh, underground to make sure that your population is growing that, rather than depleting the population. So it's people who are really observant and who, in a way, apply their their own lifestyle. To, to their vineyard, you know, it's like a it's like a very holistic approach, right? Um, and and you know, it's it's they are the people who they will come to the fair and they will do the farming and they will do the winemaking. So it's they they you know, it's their family businesses really, family farms. Right. Um, and then when we bring the the grapes in, it's important that all the yeast population which is from that vintage from that vineyard from that soil comes in and is 
completely respected. So it, it ferments by itself with all the various millions of different strains of yeast that will all contribute to the biodiversity of the taste of the, of the wine. You know, for me, that yeasts are really part of terroir and they're very important. Sure. You know, the moment you start adding, you know, yeast, you, you, you eradicate a, a lot of, of, of that year's work. Right. Um, and then you let a lot of, you know, you let the time do its, its job so the fermentation will happen over probably a much longer period of time. Um, so, so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of elements, but I would say, I would say the, the most important element is really the, the, the farming and that the farming is done with utter respect, um, right. but also not just for the sake of not applying any synthetic pesticides or weed killers and so on, but, but more about how can I really increase the biodiversity and the life the, of the soil and the life of my vineyard. The bigger picture and, you know, for future generations. I mean, the word, you hear the word permaculture a lot more. Um, I think people have been practicing that for a long time, but you sort of alluded to that, you know, where the whole health and vibrancy of a, a vineyard or an area is everything cohabitating, whether it's other plants, animals, um, and that helps the uh, liveliness of the land. True? Absolutely, and 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 you know, the, and then you can talk about sustainability. You know, sustainability is when you 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 manage to have in your vineyard and in the plants in your vineyard that not just the vines but the trees that the you know the whole flora. When you manage to have that in such balance and equilibrium that not one disease will take over, um, right. you know, because there will be such a diversity right. of plants of insects that everybody you know everybody has their place you know for me that's what's so important it's like it's, it's like in a society you know every single individual has a play as a place and has a part to play and you don't really talk about weeds if you're if you have a holistic view you know you talk about just plants and why is, is this plant in this particular place at this particular moment right um that's sustainability this is when you're getting to a sustainable vineyard that can actually operate you know, obviously with our help, but but is healthy and, and full of life and um, and able to basically fight off, you know, right. challenges and pressures that might come from, you know, a surge in a certain bacteria or a certain insect or a certain disease. Right. You're not just, it's not a monoculture. You're, you have everything so that it feeds off of each other. Are there other challenges? I mean, climate change? I mean, is that making it more difficult for the farmer? I mean, is cost are you know these wines going up where people are starting to think? Um, is perception you know still good? I mean, is there still a non-participation of a large number of farmers, you know, and winemakers that don't care about this? You know, what are some of the continuing challenges? So, um, I mean, climate change is is. Is obviously a you know a big challenge. Um, if you speak to any you know any growers, if you come to the fair and do a poll, um, you know it's making their lives very difficult. Um, a, it's bringing up certain pressure from disease that maybe they had never seen before. Right. Um, obviously, they're losing crop through frost, through hail, hail. Sorry, right. <laughs> and hail, but you know. Well, hail, hail is hell. Um, hell is hell. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So they're losing, so they're losing crop. Um, you know, sometimes 
the heat will be such that the vine will shut down over two or three weeks in the summer, which will cause problems for the for the ripening season. Um, so, so you know, climate change is, is climate change is, is obviously a big you know is a big challenge. So that's um, that's it, not going to change with the flip of a switch. So that means all these farmers, you know, have to adopt. You know, everything you describe, they have to figure a way to work through that. Right? Not easy. Yeah. Yeah, not easy. I mean, some, you know, I think some, some people are looking more closely at practices like biodynamics, which really helps um, balance, you know, the vine's um, right. ability to maybe store water, uh, keep fresh, even though the, 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 the heat is, 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 is there. Um, you, you know, they're noticing that maybe a great, a, it helps um preserve the level of acidity, for example, in, in, in vine. You know, mulching is a really great way of preserving humidity and making sure that you're, you know, you're, you're, there's a lot of humus and there's a lot of life, you right. know, underneath. Um, you know, people are questioning maybe plowing. Is plowing a great technique when actually you're losing a lot of water through evaporation, um, ground uh-huh. cover? You know, people are, yeah. I think, I think you have to resort and, and be, and be even more observant and, and look for obviously other solutions because it is obviously it's, it's, you know it's a big challenge right do you see others sure. i mean climate change probably is top of the list but you know anything kind of biting away at you challenge wise um what do you mean in the vineyard or you know just in general you know whatever comes to mind you know whether it's the farmer oh. the wine the winemaker like i said perception cost you know, I, I think. I think. Look, you know, you you mentioned earlier. You know, is are, are we seeing? Um, you know, why are so many people still really reluctant to to, to embrace? I would say even just organic farming, um, and and that's an interesting question. You know, I was I was chatting with um, one of our producers actually, Frank Jon from from Germany, who who has <clears throat> three hectares, but also consults for 180 farmers. Wow. Um, I think he, in total, he he works with about ten thousand hectares of of vineyard uh, in in Europe, and he has. And I, ha- I had this exact same conversation with him, and I said, "Why?" Because his argument is very simple. He manages to get the same level of cropping as with a um, you know a conventional vineyard. The costs are not that much higher, especially since you don't do not use any 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 products which are actually very very expensive. Um, and I said to him, so why do you think that so few people are actually taking up, you know, organic farming? And he said, in his opinion, from, from his conversation, is, is fear that people do not understand really the tenets of organic farming. People are quite scared that they will be losing their crop. I think there's a lot of misinformation right. um, uh, about this. Um, and I would, you know, and it still beats me to see that, you know, if you look around the world, we're still at about five, seven percent of the world's vineyard are farmed organically. That's it. You know, when, yeah, I think something like that. It's Jeez. quite small. Um, when you think that there is, you know, and and most of those are located in in France, Italy, and right. Spain. Right. Um, you know, when you see that actually, you know, the the the, the public really wants it. You know, there is such pressure uh, from an environmental perspective to 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 be less polluting, um, you know, it really, really beats me. I don't really have the answer, but I think there is still this perception that organic farming is more difficult and it's more costly. 
and you get less uh, grapes. But I think a properly managed vineyard actually will 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 yield a very similar crop, and you get better value because often you can sell your your grapes or your wine for more money right. anyway. You know, you get the value added, the added value of of of, um, of producing a organic, low intervention, biodynamic, you know, natural wine. Plus, you're going back to a healthier soil base year in, year out, right? And plus, it's the long-term investment exactly yeah. for the generation. You know, I mean, the, the, the level of erosion, you know, I really invite everybody who's listening um, to next time you walk around the countryside and maybe next time you walk around vineyards is to look at the level of erosion everywhere, i.e. where because the soil, the, the, the earth is, is, is bare because there's nothing growing really whenever it rains you know the, the the soil is really getting depleted and we're losing you know millions of tons of earth through erosion a, a year um, i really invite people to look at the state of, of vineyards properly you know don't spend too much time in the tasting room but ask people to take you right. to the vineyard and ask questions ask why is there nothing growing in between those rows because right. you know a vineyard which is formed organically will always be vibrant with you know, with, with grass, I mean, obviously in, in the summer months, it gets all dried and depending on where you are. But I think we, we, we as, a, as a consumer, as, as a wine drinker, we just need to ask more questions and be more demanding, you know, with wineries, because it's all very well to have these premium tasting, you know, premium wine clubs, uh, very expensive wines, these very expensive tasting rooms. But I think we need to put, you know, ask people, what are they doing? You know, to to make sure that what they're farming will be here in a hundred years. Right, that's so that, important. You know, yeah. You know, I'm curious about this. Um, does does natural wine, the wine itself, you know, the movement, does it have to move into the mainstream or be part of the mainstream? I mean, it's not really, it's not a fringe movement movement by any stretch, but. You know, does it have to move into the mainstream, whether it's at restaurants or how it's covered in magazines, or it could, you know, flourish, you know, as it is and grows bigger? What's your feeling on that? Well, I think um, it's still a very, very niche movement. You know, it's it's easy to forget that we are in our own little bubbles. Right. Uh, because of the places where we go to eat. And I mean, I only go and eat somewhere if they have natural wine. Otherwise, and I that's, really that's not a lot. So you're right. And it's not a lot. It's not and fringe, it's not- but it's more niche in that sense, right? Yeah, it's more niche in that sense. Yeah. Um, I think, does it need to go? I, I think we do need to expand a little bit and touch more people uh, because my, you know, my personal vision is that we have to change how things are done, you know, we have to inspire more and more people to at least farm organically. Right. Um, and so I think for that to happen, you know, we do need to move into, um, I'm not saying we, 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 it will never be mass, um, but I think it's important that, you know, every restaurant should be carrying one, at least one or two natural wines, you know, as, 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 as a choice. I think a, a well-balanced, wine list even even if you are you know in a top-end restaurant where people are expect you know are probably going to be looking for you know some you know mainstream right blue champagne and bordeaux and burgundy and and so on i think i think it's a it's a duty to to you know from the sommelier or from the person who looking after list to, to to be able to offer these wines um but but you know you know there is a 
you know, I'm also very, very convinced that um, people are not always ready. You know, you can take a horse to water, but it's not necessarily going to drink. Right. And, and I think, Regardless you know, of best efforts. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. You know, some people are actually just not ready to listen to this. You know, it's also about a personal journey. Um, and I think, in a way, you know, people who are attracted to, to these wines are people who at home will follow a very similar philosophy, who will be quite careful maybe of not eating too much meat right. and who will be, you know, quite sen sensitive to, to, you know, green issues um, because they're ready, you know. And I think people who come to the fair um, come to the fair because they've heard of natural wine. It intrigues them. They like the idea of, of, of drinking something which is delicious, but which also has a, a much bigger picture. Right. And... You know, you make a point there. I think people, you know, the oldest story is, you know, people have been eating organic food for years and they look at wine like, you know, why? Um, you know, so that has to carry over um, a lot more. But I think awareness, I agree. I don't think it has to go in the mainstream, but I think it should be available, available in the mainstream. Like you said, a restaurant should have options. And I think awareness in the mainstream is important for the product and for the farming part, you know, that more people, um, should move towards, you know, organic farming. I agree with that. One thing that drives me crazy, you know, and I've been doing the show three years already and, you know, starting with you coming on, you know, for the fourth time, the growth of natural wines in the movement, you know, in the market on the show has been crazy. But the thing that the thing that drives me crazy is, you know, natural wines about knowledge and conversation. Um, I still don't get why the natural wine conversation is so divisive. It's so much us or them. You know, there, there's not a lot. Mm -hmm. of, do you agree? I think it's changing, though. Um, For the better, I, I hope. I see. Yes, I think it's, it's definitely uh, getting getting better. Um, I see this kind of like slightly divisive conversation. I would say in, in more um, conservative traditional markets, like like in Germany, uh, where people are quite, you know, they're quite determined that that the wine that they're drinking will be a very specific way and made in a very specific way, and and whatever else you know, is really, frankly, not worth thinking about. Um, but I think um, in terms of, you know, more, I think in more sort of, I would say, advanced, relaxed markets, um, you know, or places like, like you know, like, like New York, like, like Los Angeles, like, like London, right. uh, even the, the traditional wine trade, I think is now realizing that, you know, natural wine plays a part and, and I think, you know, realizing that actually natural wine and the conversation around natural wine has been positive uh, because I think the whole wine industry has started to think more about how actually wines is made. Um, and, you, you know, it's starting to be a little bit more transparent. Right. Um, you know, I think for years, for years, people have, you know, people never really discussed sort of the type of selected yeast and, and all the stuff that goes into the wine that actually makes the wine you know right like, you know that's a certain yeast that bring out certain flavors certain type of oak certain type of you know enzymes and vitamins and color and and all of this you know you can literally just make whatever you want um and i think the conversation around natural wine and 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 us promoting the fact that it's just really good farming and grapes and grape juice um has had a positive impact 
Um, so I would say that, you know, I don't get the same level of sort of, you know, I would say, you know, quite horrible comments. Right. I would 12 years ago, 10 years ago, I think things are changing and people are accepting that actually there is a place uh, for, for, for these wines. And, you know, for the record, are actually, for me, the most important is the farming. So I think everybody, and I, and I think I've said that to you before, you know, everybody should be absolutely be farming organically. Once the grapes hit the, hit the winery, then if people want to add yeast and tons of sulfites, sterile filter, um, and add, you know, glycerol to, to help with the mouthfeel and right. add whatever they want, or whatever they want, then, then I think they should be able to do that. The issue is they should also have to declare it. Right. Whereas at the moment, there's no way of knowing. Right. But so, the most important is really the farming. Right. That's the you base. Know, so yeah. thing and I, I agree with that. And the second point, transparency. If people want to do it, just people should just know that it's there. Um, Isabel, we're going to take a, a quick break. Um, and when we come back, I want to talk specific, more specifically, um, about the raw wine fair. So we're talking to Isabel Legeron from raw wine and the raw wine fair. You're listening to the grape nation. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin cheese. Did you know that 90% of Wisconsin's milk is made into cheese? And this is not just any milk. When Swiss, German, and Italian cheesemakers first settled into Wisconsin, they chose their new home because of the special terroir of the region. Its soil and water are nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment, and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin produces 25% of all cheeses made in the U.S., and Wisconsin cheeses have won more awards than any other state or country in the world. How did they do it? Wisconsin cheesemakers combined their heritage and tradition with nonstop innovation. They were the first state to establish cheese grade standards and the first to require that every cheese plant be overseen by a licensed cheesemaker. Wisconsin is the only place outside of Europe where one can pursue an elite master cheesemaker certification. All of these impeccably high standards mean Wisconsin produces more than 48% of the nation's specialty cheese. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. It's Todd Shulkin, the host of Inside Julia's Kitchen here on HRN. Inside Julia's Kitchen carries on Julia Child's legacy of introducing the brightest lights in the food world to a wider audience, just as Julia did from her home kitchen. Look for Inside Julia's Kitchen wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. All right, we're back. We're back. Okay. With, we're back with my guest, Isabel Legeron. Um Isabel, let's let's talk about um, the raw wine fairs themselves. Something that I know that you work very hard on and travel around, and there's a lot of moving parts. You know, I've participated in it and I've seen it, you know, up close. Um, so you're doing six fairs now. Uh, yes, we are, and five this autumn, which is a little bit crazy. Yeah, and uh, you talked earlier, uh, Miami you added, um, but let's talk about the markets. You know, the, the raw wine fairs are coming up. We're in raw wine fair season, so let's sort of go through the calendar quickly. So we kick off in Montreal right? Um, at the end of October. I- I'll post um, all the dates, too. Okay, yeah, so we kick off in Montreal, then um, then a couple of days later we are in New York, right. 
for, for two days. Then we stop over in, in Miami uh, in the middle of the week. And then we end up in, in Los Angeles the following weekend. So right. we have literally 10 days um, of, of yeah, heavy traveling, not much sleeping, okay. a lot of partying, um, and a lot of growers arriving en masse. I think in total, with those four fairs, we have something like 270 different growers. Right. So uh, some, will, some will travel fair to fair, and some fairs will have some growers that you know won't make it to others. True? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, everybody is basically choosing the fair they want to do depending on on the market, right. you know, if it's a strong market, not a strong market, if they're looking for distribution or more distribution. And, it, yeah. it gives them the option. Now, Montreal is two days? So Montreal is, yeah, last year we did it for one day and then we... This year's two? Yeah, this year we had to grow it to, to two days. Also, people, you know, they're, they're like 100 growers, so you need really two days to right. be able to take and explore everyone. New York is two days. L.A. is two days. What's Miami? One day? Or you Miami is just one day. Okay. Yeah, Miami is quite a small event for us. We have, um, I think, 70 growers who are coming, which I think is probably one of the biggest representation of growers, you know, in, 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 in Miami because, you know, I don't think there's been very many natural wine events happening in 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 miami so no, it's very I, I would agree i mean yeah. i think you're gonna hit the ground running there and just as a side thing you know the festival started in london and you're also in berlin you know those are the six markets um i read somewhere that the berlin fair has sort of become a hub for you know russian interest in natural wines is that true yeah that's true um, is, is there a market you- there well, yes, there is actually uh, quite uh, quite an interesting market. Um, I mean, particularly we're talking about Moscow and St. Petersburg. Um, but it's a very interesting market because it's, it's quite a high-end market. So people like love um, all the small grower champagne, right. um, all the, you know, sort of natural low-intervention Burgundies and Bordeaux. And so, so there's, a really, there's a really great market there. Um, I mean, it's not... You know, I think it will grow a lot more, but it's an interesting crowd because I think um, Russian, for them, a lot of, for a lot of Russians, wine is very new. Right. So they don't necessarily have a, um, a, a fixed idea as to what a particular wine should taste like. So in, they're incredibly open. You know, I, I launched my book there uh, la- uh, last year in Russian, and within three months, they, they'd sold out of all the copies. So there's um, a huge appetite. You know, yeah. f- for yeah, information exactly. and product. Yeah, exactly. And they they really want, inf- like you said, they really want information. Yeah. And they're really open to new flavors, to 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 new things, to new wines. Um, so it's a uh, it's a very interesting market, and a lot of people, a lot of Russians live in Berlin. Um, really? They have a they do they do the commute because you, for them to go into Berlin, I mean, this is getting into the detail, but you don't need a specific visa because it's part of a, right. an agreement. Right. So it makes it very simple for them. That's, so that's we get why a they're lot there. That, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. It would be hard not to follow up and say, where does China fit in on all of this? I mean, you're talking about a huge populace, but I mean, I think they're behind, you know, wine-wise in a lot of ways. Is that a tough market? Is that down the road or you can't think about that now? Um, so for us, you know, maybe the, the nearest market will probably will be Japan. Okay. Um, and Japan is is um, is a is actually a, a, a very big 
market for, for, for the natural wine producers. A lot of them sell quite a lot of, of wines there. And, and a lot of them actually started selling in Japan, you know, a long time ago. Right. So it's a, it's a very historical market and it's a very faithful market. So when people buy from, from certain growers, they keep on buying, you know, it's a, it's a, right. so I, I was there not long ago, actually, just exploring the, the, the place and looking for potential, you know, partners. Right. Um, so, so for Asia, uh, that would be the next natural, you know, market. Yes. For us, but I mean, I know that in 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 China, the you know there there's a few things happening, and and obviously growers are starting to sell there. Um, but China, like we had a, quite a few Chinese um, buyers who came to London actually this year, and um, they come and talk to the growers. But you know, for them, they want they like okay, so I would like these amount of containers of your wines. And then the growers were like, well, I only make 20,000 bottles, so <laughs> right. I can't really give you a container. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so it's, uh, I, you know, and that's something that I really love about what I do as well is, is I'm, you know, I feel quite close to, to what's happening, you know, on, on, on the ground and, and hearing all the growers' stories and understanding, you know, where they sell their wines or where they don't sell their wines and, and why. Um, it's fascinating because you really get the culture coming through, basically, from well, different countries, it's uh, it's really fascinating. Well, just like a farmer is in the field and really seeing and feeling everything, you're the same. I mean, you're out in the market talking to the people that you know make all this happen in every way. So being on the ground is important. Um, has your has the mission of the fair has it changed or evolved at all since you launched your first fairs? Um. So we obviously now the you know the fairs themselves are I would say you know quite established. So I'm not really looking maybe apart from one or two destinations, uh, not necessarily looking to grow you know the fairs as as such. Um, I, I we've I've been working really hard at we've been working on a, on a couple of things. I mean the first one is um, I've been working a lot on on our website to make our website in you know the things you don't see in the website. Um, but the technology behind the website has, has changed quite a lot. We've, we've, we've redesigned it three times now. Right. Um, and even though it kind of looks the same, but you, you know, it, you know, we, we actually have a lot of information about growers and I really want this website, which is free for everybody and eb- anybody, you know, the growers don't pay anything and we host every single, we have, I think now over a thousand growers, I think on the website, or maybe not quite that, but we have hundreds of growers on the website and they each have a microsite. Uh, which is theirs, you it, know, to do whatever they want. It's um, an incredible resource. Are, yeah, which which is, and it which being, we get something like forty five thousand different uh, unique users a month of people literally just taking the information from the growers to look how the wine is made. And I really want to grow this because I think, you know, finding reliable information about h- how wines are made is actually not that simple. Um, you know, because people say, oh, this wine has no added sulfites, and then. I have all the analysis and I know that this one has had 40 parts added, you know, but there's not really. So we're trying to grow the website. So it becomes more and more of a resource outside of the fair. Uh, right. so it's just, you know, or, or to support it before, during and after the fairs and an ongoing thing. Just if anybody wants to um, access that website, how do they get there? Is it raw? It's dot com. It's and that then the simple. Other thing, the other thing, if I, if I may, is that we, we're looking at, you know, carbon footprint uh, quite uh, quite a bit at the moment. So 
Um, we're developing, with, we're working with, with carbon footprint specialists in, in Italy and I'm developing. So we're, we're funding a program to develop a tool. So I'm working with six farmers, six of our growers. Um, and we're trying to develop a very simple tool so people can measure their own carbon footprint very easily. Um, because And taking into account route to market, taking part in fairs and, and, and so on. So that's something that I'm very interested in because I think it's, it's easy to forget, you know, that actually, you know, we also have a responsibility to, to, to be carbon neutral or even carbon sinks if we can. Right. And then we're, we're working with these same, same consultants at the moment where I'm trying to measure our own carbon footprint. So what is my carbon footprint of putting on a fair in New York with having three or 4,000 people come to New York, some of them traveling? Ah. So looking at ways of assessing their impact. So we take that on um, and then offset it by we're looking at at a project at the moment to, to plant trees. So we're doing that at the moment for, you know, for the, for the you know, New York Fair will be like our pilot. Right. Um, that's great stuff, Isabel. Yeah, because, you know, that's why we moved away from printing catalogs into we've developed this great tool where people can, you know, as you know, put in all their tasting notes and so on. We right. were just trying to sort of look at how can we be neutral, you know, because obviously wine is everybody's traveling and the bottles are traveling. And so it's. Right. You know, it's I think about that a, a bit more. Um, I don't think anybody could do a better job than you to answer this question. But the um, fair is attended by consumers. There's obviously the winemakers there. There's trade people. You know, there's media and everything and whoever else in between. But just describe quickly when you walk through the doors of, you know, a raw wine fair, just so people can close their eyes. What are they walking into? I've been there. That's why I'm asking you, because uh, it's very bustling and exciting. But you know, put all the pieces together for me. Yes, exactly. Well, it is exactly that. I mean, it is very. It can be a bit daunting if you've never really been to a wine fair before. But it's probably the best wine fair to attend, I think, um, because you'll be greeted by a hundred, hundred and fifty growers all really excited to be, you know, they've traveled for, you know, from somewhere in Italy or, or somewhere even on, you know, on the West Coast or you know, from California to just be there and talk right. to talk to people. Um, don't be afraid of asking anything because I think, you know, that's, that's you know, the, the whole point of the fair is really about education. Um, so you'll, you'll be handed a glass and you'll have access to the digital catalog that you can keep forever and you can taste, you can take all your notes. Um, and then you'll, you'll go around the room, we'll give you a map where everybody is located. And there's also tons of really amazing talks this year, actually. Um, we're doing a retrospective of Sanko Radicon's work with like back vintages from the 90s. Nice. We do the same with uh, Stefano Bellotti, uh, Cascina degli Olivi, you know, and, and Ernesto Cattel, who also left us from Costa Dila, you know, right. a, a while ago. So we're doing a retrospective of their work with, um, you know, great tastings. So there's a lot of education. I think it's, it's about um, understanding really what it takes to make these wines, how much farming, how much effort, how much love, how much graph goes into, into, into making these wines. Um, and then obviously just enjoying the pure, the pure joy of tasting hundreds of different wines, you know, with hundred different personalities. 
Yeah, I, I, I think one of the great things, and you said it, is as you walk around, you know, the winemakers right there. You know, if you go to Good Olgots, you know, Stephanie and Edward are there. And if you go taste Georgian wines, you know, you meet some crazy people, you know, from Georgia. Yeah, so they, it's really, you know, in your face in a good way. Yes, and then this year you're going to have even more. We, I think we have something like 15 Georgian growers traveling uh, from from Georgia. Oh Pasarova. boy, Who, who's keeping an eye on those guys? But, but one well, of my other, you, go ahead. You will. Yeah, um, you sort of answer part of it, but you know, one of my questions was, you know, what are some are some of the newer wineries or regions, um, you know, coming to the fair? Um, one of the answers you just gave is Georgia's been there, but now it's coming in a larger force. You know, any other things to take note of? Yes, we've got, um, you know, obviously, like in, in L.A., we've got a really strong domestic representation. We have over, like, I think around 35 American growers uh, showing showing ah. their wine. For me, is is really important. Right. Um, you know, because I'm, I think L.A. this last year, you know, L.A., this is our third year. Uh, last year, we sort of began to see some uh, European buyers come over to L.A., um, and I'm hoping that this year we're going to carry on this um, because, in my opinion, you know that you know wines from 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 the states is very very under underknown and undervalued undervalued in, in in Europe. You know we don't have access to them that easily. So I'm really thrilled that you know so many um, U.S. producers you know are supporting the fair and will be pouring. Right. So I think that's really exciting because we, we tend to think about natural wine, you know, from, from Europe and Italian right. and French. But actually, what's well, for good reason. But, you know, it, it can, will and does expand. So and, you know, the U.S. But on a side thing, are the U.S. guys so there's more of them. Will they participate in the European fairs for that kind of exposure? Or? Yeah, actually, actually, we're getting quite a lot of uh, people going to Berlin this year. Great. Um, which, it, uh, which it's is, a very which cool market, Berlin. It is. Maybe you should come. Yeah, maybe uh, you just gave me an excuse to go to Berlin. I'll take it. Um, all right. So, you know, New York City, big market for the fair. And I'm sure like the other fair markets um, is taken over by the fair. And I could describe it a little, but I want you to expand. All these winemakers are in town. They all got to eat somewhere. They all got to drink somewhere. There's all these distributors and portfolio guys grabbing them. So basically, when the fair comes into town, it's like this event, laden, event-driven, you know, few days. You know, give me a little more uh, uh, insight or perspective into, you know, what really happens. I mean, the floodgate opens in a town with these guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a very good point. So we and we put that all all under the banner of Raw Wine Week. Right. So on our website, we have a map um, for 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 New York, for LA, for for Miami. But also, actually, we have events happening all around all around the U.S. because the, the growers will be, you know, traveling to some other cities, and so all of the events are grouped together and literally uh, in in New York, whether you're in Manhattan or Brooklyn, um, you'll have, you know hopefully dozens of events, you know, with, with growers where they'll be presenting their wines, they'll be doing a talk, they'll be doing a tasting, there'll be a, like a raw wine list takeover. Right. Um, so it's, it's a great, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, obviously during the day you're busy tasting and, and working. Um, and then in the evening, there literally are so many events, you know, 
whether you want something super casual or a bit more a bit more formal um you know right. all of this will become will be available under the raw wine week um and, website and but like yeah, you it's, said, uh, it's great. they're on the website you know so even though there's a little uh, anarchy with all these guys in town there is some organization and you do list them on the website um so even if you go to the fair or don't go you know there's an opportunity to really stand side by side with a lot of these people true exactly yeah. exactly if, even if you if you can't make it on the sunday or the monday of the fair um, in the evenings, you can you can go and visit the restaurants, the bars, meet the growers, you know, drink the wines, enjoy the wines. Um, so it's uh, it's it's more than just the fair. There's just like a whole world happening around it. Well, I I think the word world is it's you're right. It's more community because in New York, there's a ton of large um, importers and they have their portfolio tastings and a lot of these people come into town. I think there's such a huge sense of community with raw fare. You know, I think the way you organize it and it's raw wine week and the events, you know, it just feels very good. Um, and, and it's a nice thing for the, uh, you know, a raw wine person to experience that. Um, all right, Isabel, we got to wrap up. Um, but before we wrap up, let's take care of a few things. Again, if anybody wants information um, about the raw wine fairs, you know, where they are, what time, who's there, cost, any of that, the best place to go is rawwine.com? So rawwine.com, and then you go and there's all the, it's just all the fairs right. with all the dates and all the information about where the fair is right. taking place. And each, York, each fair has its own site. Yes, each fair has its own site. You can explore all the growers, look at all their wines that they're going to be bringing. Um, then, then you can get prepared. Um, and then we'll send access to a catalog a few days before the fair. So you can actually prepare your list and start exploring the wines and then getting organized for the actual fair. There'll be a, an interactive map inside your catalog so you can really, really prepare for it. So you're almost saying if you don't do a little homework, you may miss a little. So pay attention, right? <laughs> yes. It's not a bad yes. thing. Because, you know, when we describe the fair, I mean, it can be overwhelming, you know, for some people, 150 tables and wine growers. So if you have an idea of who you want to see first or what's important, you know, that all that information is available. Um, all right. So the next fair where you're doing the North America tour, like we discussed, is Montreal, then New York, then Miami, then L.A., right? That's right. Yeah. And starting off. Starting in 20, Montreal. Yeah. On the 24th of November and then moving moving around. Right. And all that is on the site. Um, and don't sit on your butt because some of these things sell out or at some point they all sell out, right? Yes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, New York sold out uh, last year. Montreal sold out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Miami. So if, yes. you're, if you're interested, you know, pay attention and make the move. All right, Isabel. Um, just a couple last things. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening or event, hit me up at Sam at the dot com. That's Sam at the dot com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. Follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby, on Twitter at BenRuby. Um, you could always use the hashtag The Grape Nation. Um, a bunch of the information Isabel and I talked about, I'll post you know, on our social media sites. Um, 
So, Isabel, if people are interested about you, you, you have the book, right? It's still, it's been updated recently, right? Yeah, still the book, Natural Wine, it's available easily on online. Right. Um, and what if people want to follow you and Raw Wine on social media? So, our Instagram is uh, Raw Wine World. Okay. Um, and, um, yeah, and... That's the primary outlet, Instagram, for you? Yeah, Instagram is our primary outlet because this is how we communicate about the growers or when tickets come on to sell. Um, We're going to release all the the talks uh, next week, uh, the schedule, So, and it will be sort of pretty much first come, first serve. If you want to book a space, some of them you'll have to register, so we'll we'll announce that on Instagram. Right. Um, So that's at Raw Wine World. All right, Isabel, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out. Um, I think it's important to talk to you. I think what you're doing is important. That's why I have you on. Um, I want to thank our engineer, Matt, for helping out today. And I want to thank everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.